Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, appropriately enough, Michael Cutler. It is January 19th, 2018, and the budget clock in Washington is ticking down. Uh, Goodness gracious. How will this cliffhanger end? Uh, I thank you for joining me. I hope that all of you have had a good week, crazy week in Washington and elsewhere around the country, but I hope it's been personally good for all of you. Um, Those of you who are familiar with me, familiar with my program, know the story. I'm a retired senior special agent of the former INS. And ever since 9-11, I have been determined to wake up our fellow Americans, wake up our alleged political leaders, so that everyone gets to understand how significant America's borders and immigration laws are. And this is not about xenophobia. It's not about racism. It's not about not liking people. I love diversity. I'm a New Yorker. Um, You know, I'm a Brooklyn boy. I love the idea of people from all over the world being here, different food, different music, different customs. It makes for an exciting, vibrant city. That is not my concern about immigration. My concern is that we don't permit people into this country whose goals are antithetical to the best interests of America and Americans, terrorists, criminals drug dealers, fugitives from justice, aliens who would take the jobs that Americans need. It's that simple. And there is nothing in the immigration laws that differentiate anybody by race, religion, or ethnicity. If they did, I could not have enforced those laws for 30 seconds, let alone for the 30 years that I proudly carried that INS badge. So let's understand from square one what we're dealing with. We're dealing with a set of laws that are as fundamental as they come. Laws that are designed to protect national security, public safety, public health, and the livelihoods of Americans. How anybody, how anybody could take issue with the laws and those goals, I got to tell you, it leaves me utterly dumbfounded. But uh, then again, understand motivation. As an agent, when you think someone did something You always look for motivation. In our personal lives, we look for motivation. Why would this person say that to me? Where where is the benefit for him? As my mom, may she rest in peace, used to say, where's the percentage? Where's, you know, the profit? And, And that's the issue. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce and a laundry list of other special interest groups see in a flood of foreign students, foreign workers, and foreign tourists money, whether it's the money that the tourists spend here or the students spend on tuition or the cheap labor that saves corporations business expenses one way or the other this is about as they say following the money but today is not like other days other years since 9-11 actually go back further since the downing of pan am um, 103 since the killing of rabbi meyer kahana in midtown manhattan since the 93 terror attack at the cia and the first trade center bombing, we realize, we realize, we have to realize that we are in the terrorist crosshairs. 
That's what this is about. When you look at the level of narcotics trafficking and gang violence, America's fertile territory for the drug traffic is last year about 65,000 people died of opiate overdose. Some were prescription drugs, the oxycodones and that sort of thing. But lots of those deaths attributable to heroin, attributable to heroin, attributable to meth. And so these are the drugs being smuggled into the United States. If you don't secure the borders, you wind up with dead people, whether it's the victims of criminal aliens. And no, I'm not going to say every alien who comes here is a criminal. Uh, You know, the, the hyperbole, the other side resorts is nuts. And the problem is we have a sort of intellectual inbreeding where Democrats only listen to Democrats, Republicans listen to Republicans, conservatives listen to conservatives, liberals listen to liberals, and on it goes. You don't understand the issue, and you don't even understand your own perspective until you have to defend it against somebody who opposes you. Back in college, I took my degree in communications, arts, and sciences. It had been my intention to teach debate on the college level. I was on the high school debating team. I was on the college debating team. I never lost. I never lost. And to me, debate is intellectual capitalism. The purveyors of the ideas, the debaters, if you will, bring to the public square, to the public marketplace, their side of the argument, and they try to sell it. Capitalism at its most fundamental. Audience, listening to the way the arguments are posed, the facts that are provided makes the determination as to which side of the argument they land on. But what we're seeing today increasingly on college campuses and elsewhere is a shutting down of debate and discourse, even though it's the First Amendment, the right for peaceable assemblage. Without debate, without discourse, without the freedom of speech, you cannot possibly live in a democracy. Because once your freedom to speak and write and communicate your own thoughts is taken from you, the party is over. And and we've got to be clear. The idea of using language that's deceptive, language that amounts to propaganda, has nothing, less than nothing, to do with being politically correct. Political correctness, as I understand it, and I'm sure many of you will agree, and you may disagree, and that's fine also. We can disagree. But the primary purpose of... Um, uh, of the idea of debate is that you get to, to argue your point. And when you shut down debate, then you shut down democracy. Because according to George Orwell, we think in words. When you limit the words that people can use, then you limit their thoughts. When you're able to eliminate the words, then you eliminate the thoughts that the words represent. This isn't very complicated. It's quite simple. And it makes perfect sense when you stop to think about it. But somehow everyone has become so uh, convinced that we're being politically correct. I hear it all the time. And you hear it on the TV shows, too. You know, I've been a guest quite a few times on Graham Ledger. And he says, you know, the PC police, we're keeping them out. We're shutting the doors, whatever. He says, well, that's right. But please don't misunderstand what PC is about. And I think Graham Ledger, by the way, is a tremendous journalist. I love being on the show. Um, he gets it right most of the time. No one gets it right 100% of the time. I don't get it right 100% of the time. But this is not about the PC police. This is about the thought police, the thought police. Eliminate the words, you eliminate the thoughts. That's what this is about, folks. 
And that's something that you need to bear in mind. When you hear people saying, oh, they're being politically correct. We're losing our country to political correctness. We're losing our country to Newspeak, to George Orwell, to thought control. That's what we're losing our country to. So it's really very important that you understand how this whole deal is playing out. Look at DACA. Look at the way it's been sold to us. I, you know, I write for a bunch of websites. One of them is frontpagemag.com. I write for the social contract. Um, so understand that when you look at what I've been writing, the other side has been gaming the system and playing us, playing us for fools. You know, I may have mentioned it last week. You take the guy that gets that email that breathlessly tells him that he's just won a $5 million lottery. All he has to do is provide his date of birth, his social security number, his place where he works, his place where he lives. Oh, and by the way, for good measure, send us a check for $5,000 and we'll send you your, your check for $5 million. And there are dummies out there that look at this and they get all excited and they say, oh, my God, I'm getting $5 million. Well, whoa, not so fast. How do you win a lottery when you didn't buy a ticket? And this guy didn't buy the ticket because it's a non-existent lottery. It's fantasy. It's fantasy. They're selling fantasies, and people are buying them. Fortunately, not too many, but enough. Enough that it's profitable for the criminals. So the guy gives them all the information, and he sends out the check for $5,000. And for the rest of his life, he sits there waiting for the mailman to bring a magic check that never comes. It never dawns on him to say to these folks, wait a minute. You're going to give me $5 million? I owe you 5000 Take the 5000 off my $5 million and mail me my check. That's what you would expect would happen. So by failing to ask two questions, this guy loses $5,000 and they steal his identity because now that they have all of his identifiers, they commit identity theft against him. All because he didn't ask two questions. How could I win a lottery if I didn't buy a ticket? And why don't you simply take the 5000 out of the amount you're sending me? Reasonable, rational questions. No one asks questions. And we've been hearing about DACA and the way that it's been portrayed in the media. Deferred action, childhood arrivals. They just want to help the people who came as kids. Their parents dragged them here. The parents dragged them here against their wishes. And you know what? In some cases, that is accurate. I've met some of those kids, and some of them are fine young uh, men and women. Um, and you feel bad for them. Their parents created this nightmare for them. And yes, I understand they were desperate. They wanted them to come to a country with better opportunities. But I'm sorry, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And I know some people are smug and say, well, fix your own country. How many Americans are willing to fix America? Because we certainly need fixing here. How many Americans are afraid to say who they voted for? Afraid to stake a position on anything? They're in a party, they're in a business setting, they're, they're just in the park meeting people, and people say, well, you know, how do you feel about this? How do you feel? And they look around, they're scared to death to tell you what they stand for, because they stand for nothing. And then you have the people say, well, go back and fix your country. Well, we, we supposedly have freedom of speech, and look at Antifa and the violence being visited on those campuses, and against anybody who would dare disagree with those goons and thugs. But the problem is, you don't just grab your kids and go through the desert. First of all, many children don't survive. Really and truly, anybody who would drag their kids through the desert or through some other dangerous environment 
should be prosecuted for the reckless endangerment of that child. If you have a small child and you put the car, the kid in, the, in your car, and you don't put that child in the proper seat and buckle them in properly, you're going to be criminally liable. Get drunk on top of it, forget about it. You're looking at a long time in jail. And by the way, I agree with that. I absolutely agree with that. But then when someone drags a child through the desert, why are there no prosecutions for endangering the welfare of the child? And I, and I understand that Mexico is a terrible place, and, and I find it remarkable. I'm not trying to justify what Donald Trump says or how he says it. Sometimes I wish, uh, you know, having my degree in communications, I wish he was more nuanced. I really do. i got to tell you. But when he described those countries, he wasn't talking about the people. He said those countries are the problem, and that's why people flee from those countries. And immediately, Martin Luther King's birthday, they were out there rip-roaring mad. How dare he talk about people like that? He didn't say the people were holes. He said the countries they came from were. And you know what? They are. They are. But this is the game of accusation. And nobody wants to step out their comfort zone and listen to somebody from the other side. I occasionally listen to the folks on the other networks. I tend to listen to Fox, and they don't always get it right either. They have a better batting average than the other stations. But let's face it, we we don't have, um, uh, you know, it just doesn't work that way. The, the whole point of the matter is that we all need to uh, understand the difference as to what the different people stand for, and that's very, very important. Um, so let's just make that um, that situation clear to begin with. So um, let's let's take the time sometimes to listen to the people we disagree with. We're not willing to listen to other people and other viewpoints. We really don't understand our own viewpoint because we don't always get it right. And maybe by listening to your opponent, you'll get more to you next time. But we have shut down debate conservatives, the conservatives, liberals, the liberals, and, and we're becoming more and more polarized. And the other side is convinced. convinced. Don't want the DACA quote-unquote kids, you're evil and this article for Front Page Magazine about how DACA really is it was designed, and I discussed this last it was really designed and end comprehensive reform. It was really designed as an end run. The Dream Act, you know, the Dream Act was was a was a, a program that was supposed to overcome the hurdles of, of the failure of comprehensive reform to pass. When the Dream Act didn't pass, Obama said, "Well, Congress failed to act." It acted. It voted no, and he didn't like. It. So rather than take no for an answer, he comes up with an executive order that was totally wrong. I'm not an attorney. But I believe it was illegal. And I know, I know there were judges who believed that as well. Why in the world would you do that? Well, you do it because you're determined to push an agenda. So now here's the obvious question, just like the guy didn't ask the question, how could I win a lottery if I didn't buy a ticket? If this was about children, why was the DREAM Act, um, why did the DREAM Act establish an age cutoff, an age limitation of age 35? Now, I'm on the wrong side of 60. 35 sounds young, but not a child. Why was it age 35? Because the demographers at the time said, you know what? 
age 35 will cover 90% of the illegal alien population. And DACA goes to age 31. And by now, yes, this was in 2012, do the math, these folks can be 36 years old. 36 years old. Really? This is about the children. When, when do you hear that when the news programs come on? The battle in Congress is over. These young kids, they came as young kids. Barely any, if, uh, probably no interviews, or if there were a handful, there's just no capacity to do it. Certainly no field investigations. Anything that these folks put down on the applications treated as though it's the truth. The approval rate was in excess of 95%. People tend to lie when they know they can get away with it. The IRS does audits, but they know that they don't have the resources. So if you watch what happens, somewhere around April 1st, give or take, the IRS rounds up a bunch of people and charges them criminally with tax evasion or tax fraud, and they publicize it. Why? To warn Americans, if you're dopey enough to cheat us, we'll come after you. It's just a game of cat and mouse. It's deterrence through enforcement. That's what they do. So we know that people are going to lie, but there's no consequences. There's absolutely no consequences to lying where it's immigration uh, because the likelihood of getting caught is minuscule. Yes, the guy that gets caught suffers. But how many times have we seen there was an attorney who fled New York, went to Canada? It's believed, believed, <laughs> catch this number, that he helped 25,000. 25,000 aliens game the visa process to get labor certification for jobs they didn't have. He corrupted a labor official, made millions and millions of dollars, fled to, to Canada when he realized they were going to close down his business and take his law license. And, and, and the inept immigration folks kept processing the applications. 25,000 was the minimum, according to the press release issued by the government. That's how many aliens inappropriately got visas, 25,000. Each one is a separate and discrete crime. He wound up pleading guilty to something like one count of immigration fraud and one count of mail fraud. That was it. Two count indictment, 25,000 people. And he had to make restitution to the government. Really? Why didn't we drop a safe on this guy's head? You bring in 25,000 people, you should be looking at life in jail for the rest of your life. It's very simple. If you do it for one person or 25,000 people, there should be a difference. There should be a difference. And so we encourage fraud. And if you look at DACA, that's the problem. Because people get away with it. And look what they get. They get to stay here. They eventually, if they're legalized, they can bring in their families and so forth. The incentive was high to commit fraud. And they came to realize very quickly that the likelihood of being caught was virtually zero. Virtually zero. So the way the media portrays it, this is all about the kids, and it's, eight, it's 800,000 kids, and you think to yourself, well, we're a country of 300-odd million people. We can deal with that. And then you come to find out, well, wait a minute, the Democrats and the Republicans who are pushing DACA don't want to change chain migration. Now, that's critical, because if these folks at some point become U.S. citizens, they can not only bring in their immediately they'd be able to bring in their spouses and their minor kids, but they would then be able to bring in all of their brothers and all of their sisters and all their half-brothers and all of their half-sisters and all of their siblings' spouses and all of their siblings' minor children and even their parents. Now, 
the parents, I don't really have an issue with it. And from what I've seen, I don't think that the president does either. <clears throat> if your parent is, is old, they might have health issues. Maybe they're helping you raise the children today. Uh, frequently, both the husband and wife work. Who better to entrust your children to than your own parents? So I, I understand that. And you know what? I don't even have a problem with it. But the siblings, are you serious? Are you kidding me? Why in the world would you bring in the siblings um, and give them permanent residence? As I wrote in an article about chain migration, why don't they just give them tourist visas? See, the other side in the news media is complicit. They give you an option. Either they come in with green cards or they don't come in at all. And that's not true. When I was an inspector for the Immigration Service back in the early 1970s, I hate to admit how long ago it was, um, we frequently saw during the major holidays lots of people coming to the United States to visit family members who, who were living here. No one wants to stop that. When you come on a tourist visa, however, you can't work. Your kids don't go to school here. You come for a month. You come for two months. You come for three months, and then you go home. If you have children and your children moved out of town, you go visit with your kids for a weekend or a week or a month, and then you go home. That's an option that nobody, but nobody, and I mean nobody, is discussing on television. Because what they want to say is all or nothing. Either we arrest every illegal alien or we give them all lawful status. That's the argument. We can't arrest them all. May as well give them green cards. The people are here. We're splitting up the families. Green cards. No. The solution isn't green cards. The solution is a non-immigrant tourist visa. Non-immigrant means temporary. Can't work, can't overstay, uh, don't commit crimes and so forth. And, and you go home and you can come back as often as you like. Have a nice day. Have a nice trip. Enjoy your flight. Enjoy your stay. It's very simple. Why aren't they talking about it? It's all part of the immigration con game. And as bad as the 800,000 would be, and now we're hearing chain migration, God knows where that's going to lead us. There was an article, caught my eye, U.S. News and World Report. If you haven't seen it, fasten your seatbelt and hold on for dear life. This was yesterday's headline, January 18, 2018. Headline, USA Today. There are 3.6 million dreamers, a number far greater than commonly known. 3.6 million. Oh, my gosh. What happened to the 800,000? What happened to the 800,000? This is more than three times the number that we were told we were looking at. And, of course, they want to have all of them benefit from chain migration so that they can ultimately become citizens and bring in everybody. Oh, my gosh. Why? Because we come back to the Chamber of Commerce and all these other groups. When people tell you the immigration system is broken, it's not broken. That's a lie. The immigration system is working with precision, doing exactly what the Chamber of Commerce wants, flooding America with cheap labor, foreign students, and foreign tourists. That's what they want, and that's what they're getting, by God. And that's why they're angry with Donald Trump. He's the first president in decades who is not a globalist who says, no, we're not going to play that game. We're not going to play that game. And Dick Durbin comes along, and there's a quote about Dick Durbin. I mean, you've got to love these people. The chutzpah that they possess blows my mind. And here it is, Durbin rallying support for the DREAM Act. And the DREAM Act is in lowercase, capital D, capital A. 
dream is an acronym, okay? But if they do it as an acronym, people can look at the letter A, which stands for alien. And, of course, the narrative is alien is a terrible word because we're politically correct, but because of newspeak, thought control. Let's get rid of that alien word because it provides clarity. So here, here's the quote. Here's how it starts in that article. And the article appeared, by the way, in the Chicago Tribune. And the date of the article, December 4th, 2018, a week ago, basically, or two weeks ago. U.S. Senator Dick Durbin on Monday said that he is, quote, hopeful but not confident that Congress will pass the DREAM Act. And again, lowercase, it doesn't have the acronym. It's not an accident. It's not an accident. Everyone has forgotten that the DREAM Act is an acronym, okay? that the A stands for alien. They don't want you to think about that. Just it's the American dream. It's so fuzzy and warm. It's a security blanket. That Congress will pass the DREAM Act and create a path to citizenship for immigrants who were brought into the country illegally as children. They're not immigrants. They're not immigrants. They're aliens, you see? But understand what they do. These are immigrants. We're a nation of immigrants. Aren't, didn't your family come as immigrants? These are immigrants. Yes, my family did come as immigrants. They waited online. They went to Ellis Island. They were checked out eight ways from Sunday. They were lawfully admitted. Don't you dare compare what my family did with what illegal aliens do when they run the border. And I have to tell you, when I do speaking events around the country, wherever I go, people who legally immigrated are in a white heat rage when there's no distinction made between aliens who come legally versus those who come illegally. So understand that this is a very, very, very big deal. This isn't insignificant. The difference between an immigrant and an illegal alien is comparable to the difference between a house guest and a burglar. Now, look at the problem that we're going to have with these new dreamers. See, it would be bad enough if we said, okay, here's the compromise, and I'm not even sure I like it myself. But I, I know how Washington operates. So let's say they say, okay, we're going to have to compromise. They have to first change the law so that chain migration goes away. Not a promise. Now we'll get to it. The Democrats signed off on a, on a border fence 10 years ago. I was doing the speaking routines on MSNBC and all the other networks back when they were willing to have debate. That, that vote left a long time ago. And they said, well, how soon do you think we'll get the fence? And I laughed at them. I said, are you kidding me? the 12th of never. It, it's not going to happen. They don't want the fence. This is all posturing because they know their constituents want it. You know, it's the guy, the magician that cuts the lady in half. If he cuts her in half, he goes to jail and nobody will ever work with him. But the audience wants to see the lady cut in half. So he has to make it look convincing. So they sign for the fence knowing damn well they were never going to give them the money to build it. We're doing the same thing now, except now they're not even playing games. They're really digging in. They're making it clear that Americans aren't worth anything, and let's bring in new voters, and let's bring in cheap labor, and the hell with Americans. That's really the message. That's really the message. So they're creating an illusion. This is the lady being sawn in half. This is about the children, the immigrant children. If they were immigrants, they wouldn't need legalizing. George W. Bush played the same game. We're going to legalize the immigrants. And I used to go on stage, and I'd hold up a glass of water, and I'd say offering to make immigrants legal is like offering to make water wet. Water is already wet. Immigrants are already legal. But here we go. The immigrants who were brought into the country illegally as children, 
If you're brought in illegally, you're not an immigrant. <clears throat> but, but that's the name game. This is Orwellian. So here's the problem. If we were going to do that compromise, you say, okay, look, we have the 800,000. There's the files. We're going to run the files. We're going to check the fingerprints. We're going to make certain that they don't have arrests and convictions. And we'll deal with it. But first, first, get rid of the way we do business and go to this process of, of a visa where it takes into account a point system that you, you, you come in based on your abilities, your skills, your education, and so forth. Provided, again, big issue, that you make certain that these folks are not going to be providing unfair competition for Americans. If we have an adequate number of Americans, then we don't need to bring aliens in to do the work Americans are doing. That's nuts, because then you're undermining Americans. Putting Americans first means you make sure you have enough programmers, fine. You know, look at the companies that laid off thousands of American programmers and ran to Congress and said, we don't have enough qualified programmers in America. Yeah, what about the 10,000 you laid off last month? But that's the game. This is all a scam. This is all a scam. So if they get rid of um, the, the um, I'm trying to think of how I, I want to put this, if we, if we get rid of the, the chain migration section of the law, so that you can no longer bring in your extended family member. And we do that first, and then you say, we're going to screen these applications, and we'll deal with the 800,000. Maybe that's something we can live with. It's a starting point to think about. But what Durbin and the others have now done is to say, no, 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 no. Forget the 800,000. Anybody who didn't register back then, we can take them now. And anybody who came in since then, Let's make them part of the program also. Now, I I want you to put on your thinking cap. Why in the world would you say to an alien who's here illegally, you're claiming you were here when Mr. Obama started up that program known as DACA. They should really call it DACA with two C's, Deferred Action Childhood, Acclaimed Childhood Arrival. It's not childhood arrival, it's what they're claiming. And many times they're going to be lying. By the way, another qualification is those aliens could not have departed the United States at any time since entering illegally. How do you prove that? They make it a requirement. Can't prove it. Doesn't matter. It sounds good for the American people. So we're tough. We're tough. So why didn't they apply back then? I'll tell you, one of the possibilities that nobody in the news media is going to tell you, maybe these folks didn't apply back then because they weren't here back then. Think about that one. They really weren't here, but now they're going to say they were here. Unbelievably, they could get away with it. During the Reagan administration, we told about a million would take part in the, in the amnesty of 86 under the Immigration Reform and Control Act. And guess what? We wind up with almost three and a half million or about three and a half million. Absolutely amazing. And Chuck Schumer, we we have to bring Chuck into the conversation. Chuck Schumer was one of the key architects, one of the key proponents for agricultural amnesty for the Reagan amnesty. Now, what's so remarkable about that, Chuck Schumer was a congressman from Brooklyn and Queens, and he didn't have a single farm in his district. And I met with him in 1985, and when I asked him that question, why are you so fascinated about farm workers? You don't have any farms in your district. He told me my time was up. He didn't want to have to answer that question. He got very irate, very irate. So this is all a game. So they say, okay, 
if, if, if you were here, that's great. If you're coming now, that's great. No matter how you want to slice it, you can put it down. And that was what, what, what Chuck Schumer did back with, with the, with the um, Immigration Reform and Control Act of, of 1986. Now, he should have learned his lesson. Because back in 1986, one of the people who participated in the program was a guy by the name of Mahmoud Abu Alima. Now, I know it's not a household name, and he's not a band leader, but Mahmoud Abu Alima came to the United States. I believe he was from Pakistan. But what I do know is he claimed that he worked on a farm in Florida picking beans. And in reality, the whole time, he was here in New York City driving a cab, driving a cab. But he lied about meeting the requirement of having been a farmer. And we gave him a, a, a green card, ultimately. And guess what he did in 1993? He was described as the field general in a newspaper article for the bombing at the World Trade Center. Mahmoud Abu Alim. Go look him up. The 9-11 Commission report talks about him also. So this guy participates in an attack on the World Trade Center that kills six innocent victims injures more than a thousand people, inflicts a half billion, with a B, half billion dollars in damages on the Trade Center complex, almost knocks one of the towers down sideways into the other tower. Don't even want to imagine what the casualty count would have been. And how did he get to stay here? Agricultural amnesty, a la Mr. Schumer. So you would think, I mean, I know if I was Chuck Schumer and, and I was this advocate for the agriculture worker component of the amnesty, and one of the people that we gave it to turns out to be a terrorist, I, I'd be reluctant to make that same mistake twice. You don't want to stick your hand in the same fire twice. Chuck Schumer is still pounding the drums and just met with, with the president this afternoon, try to work out a deal so that DACA can be taken care of. To call this chutzpah, I don't know what to call it anymore. There's no words in the lexicon that I can drag out to adequately describe my anger and frustration with all of this. We're having a war on terror. If you go to the airport, lots of luck. You, get a, you can almost combine it with, with your health care treatment, you know, by the time they're done poking, prodding, staring, and x-raying you. Never mind about when people come here from other countries. Let's just give them lawful status. Let's just give them green cards. Let's just give them citizenship. And we keep doing this. And we keep doing this. And so you, you now have Dick Durbin saying, oh, we're not going to stop here with the 800,000. He says that we're going to take care of everybody. And he says this, we have to assert ourselves in the minority and make it clear that we're not going to vote for certain legislation and our votes are needed and this is included as part of the package. And what is that? Taking care of the dreamers. Letting everyone who's here in the country now participate in the dream program if they meet the qualifications they claim they came but this now i don't know if it's a typo but now he's saying if they came under the age of 18 not 16 18 boy he's giving up ground here what a compromise you have people that may well come here at the age of 30 and claim they've been here for 20 years who the hell's going to know the difference who the hell is going to know the difference and that's the point that nobody focuses on Simply making it a requirement doesn't mean that it's truly going to be a requirement. So people know what they're supposed to say. You know, they used to have the movies about the speakeasies that go back to the roaring 20s, my parents' generation. 
some guy would knock on the door three times and the little thing slides open and he says, Charlie sent me. And then they open the door because he knows the magic word, Charlie sent me. Well, well that's what they're doing. They're going to know what the magic year is that they claim they came by or what their age was when they claimed they came here. doesn't matter if it's true. They're going to say it and they're going to get themselves lawful status. This is an open invitation to massive, massive fraud. And the 9-11 Commission identified immigration fraud as a key entry and embedding tactic, not only for the 9-11 terrorists, but they looked at 94 terrorists in the decade leading up to the attacks of 9-11. Of the 94, at least 59 lied on applications for visas or immigration benefits. In fact, that topic was the topic of my very first hearing before Congress four and a half years before 9-11, May 20th, 1997. Uh, before the House Immigration Subcommittee. I was called upon to participate in that hearing, and the topic was immigration fraud and visa fraud. So we know that fraud is a threat to national security and public safety, and now with DACA, now with DACA, they're creating a program that jumps up and down and says, go ahead, lie to me. It's okay, lie to me. Go ahead, tell me a story. Tell me a story. It's a disaster. It's, it's discouraging, it's frightening, because we know that terrorists will be able to game the process. And we don't need many terrorists to game the process to have a catastrophe. On September 11, 2001, 19 terrorists, 19 terrorists inflicted more casualties on the country, the entire country, than did the Japanese fleet at Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941. You don't need to make too many mistakes to have a big impact, large casualty count. And yet the Congress is adamant. And you see this guy, this animal in California who killed two police officers. He's sitting there laughing and saying, I wish I killed more. And if you put me in jail, I'm going to break out because I want to kill more cops. And you sit there looking at this swine. And it's infuriating and your motor is running and you're angrier than hell. But why shouldn't he say it? He's in a sanctuary city where they want people, including criminals, to come come one, come all. Come one, come all. We don't care if you're a rapist or a murderer or you like guns. It's okay. We just want you so badly. We'll overlook these little character flaws that you have. I understand you want to kill cops, but you're an alien. We have to take care of you. That's the mentality that we're listening to in sanctuary cities. I've lost friends in law enforcement, and it broke my heart, and it bothers me to this day. My friend Everett Hatcher, DEA agent, lost his life doing an undercover meeting with an Italian mobster, an American Italian, but of Italian ethnicity, ancestry. And you look at the way the heroin is flowing into America. What in the world did Hatch die for? Why were his kids orphaned and his wife widowed? Why? What was he doing? He was doing his job. What was Congress doing? What was Congress doing? Lying to us? Playing us for a bunch of damn idiots? And so you look at this business, and the the media is complicit. That's why I do this program, folks. Listen on the news tonight. How many times are you going to hear about DACA and the young people? And they can be in their mid-30s at this point. But you're going to keep hearing the word young people. They came as kids. We don't know that. They may well have come here last week and lied and said they've been here for the last 20 years. Who the hell is going to know? 
you know, this is kind of like what they did with the visa waiver program. And, you know, I'm, I'm dead set against the visa waiver program after 9-11. They said, if you commit visa fraud, if you lie on that visa application, and it's a conjunction with a drug situation, we're going to put you away for a max of 20 years. And if it's terrorism, 25 years, because we're tough. And then we keep expanding the number of visa waiver countries. And when an alien enters the United States, because he or she is from a citizen from one of the visa waiver countries, there is no visa application. So that whole idea about if they lie, they're going to go to jail, goes right out the window. And the visa application provides a treasure trove of intelligence should you ultimately decide that that particular person needs to be investigated because he or she is involved with terrorism or crime or some other issues that are of a serious nature. And by the way, immigration is such an integral part of national security, which you're not hearing in the media. You know, everyone wants to portray immigration agents as people that chase dishwashers and people mowing lawns around. The second largest number of law enforcement officers who were assigned to the Joint Terrorism Task Force are immigration agents. One of the most common crimes that you charge a terrorist with, if you can't charge them with terrorism, is visa fraud. They lie about their background. They lie about their identity. They alter their passports. These are all elements of immigration fraud. So who better than an immigration agent? So the number one um, number of contingents, the greatest number of, of, of uh, law enforcement officers on JTTF, the Joint Terrorism Task Force, FBI agent. Makes sense because the FBI runs the program. But second on that list, ICE agents, because immigration law enforcement is that critical to investigations of international terrorists. You'd never know it. You'd never know it. So you look at the visa waiver program and the 9-11 commission said, tighten it up. So we go from 26 visa waiver countries on 9-11. Now we have 38. It's the U S chamber of commerce and their discover America partnership. Keep pushing for an expansion of the visa waiver program. So more people will come to America. They will spend their money here. Maybe they'll overstay a visa and take a job and help to lower Americans wages. Screw Americans. Right? So they, they, they love this. They love this. And then you had the terror attacks a couple of years ago in Europe. And if you were watching TV, they almost never have an immigration agent on, on most of the networks. But they were bringing in CIA people and intel people, and they all said the same thing. Well, this is a worrisome situation because these terrorists are Europeans. They could come here without a visa. And immediately Congress sprang into action along with Mr. Obama and they modified the visa waiver program, and they enhanced it because they want to make us safe. And if you believe that story, holy smoke. So what did they say? Well, one of the key issues, any alien who is a citizen of a visa waiver country but has gone to Syria, I think Lebanon, Yemen, there were a list of countries, Afghanistan, in the last six months will have to get a visa before they can come to the United States. And the average American probably clapped his hands like a trained seal and said, oh, how wonderful. Clap, 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 clap. They're protecting me. Clap, clap, clap. No, they're not. No, they're not. How will anybody know if one of those aliens went to Syria? Do you think they're going to be stupid enough to have their passport stamped? Do you think they're going to walk into a U.S. embassy and say, I need to have a visa to go to the United States because although I have a British or I have a German or a French or a Spanish passport, I'm a visa waiver country citizen. Um, I, I was in Syria. 
And by the way, here is my transcript from bomb making school. And you can see I'm really good at making bombs. And all I need from you now is a tourist visa so I can go to America. But I'm not going to tell you why I want to go to America. How crazy is this? But they actually did it. They changed the, the law. And they said, from now on, if you've been to those countries the last six months, you need a visa. I'd love to know. I'd love to know. Maybe the GAO can do the study. How many aliens from visa waiver countries applied for a visa because they were in Syria or one of those other countries? Probably zero. Could be wrong. Maybe six, maybe nine, you know. But look how we are being played for fools and look at how it makes things dangerous for all Americans. Instead of saying, look, we got a problem with the visa waiver program, they create this kabuki theater, this blue smoke goes up, big puff of blue smoke. Oh, if they've been to those countries, they're a problem. Is that really what this is about? Is that really what this is about? Not hardly. What we need to do is to make it clear. We need to end the visa waiver program. We have too many people now, first generation, who are involved with terrorism in France and Germany and England, all those countries. And it's not that we're, we don't like the countries. They're our allies. But the reality is that terrorists have set up shop in all of our allies' countries. And they pose a threat. They want to come here and blow us up. Why wouldn't you require a visa? Yes, you're going to have to hire more people for State Department. That's true. That is true. But, you know, we're talking about national security. If we can build up the military, and we absolutely have to, then you build up the mechanism by which visa applications are scrutinized. You know, if an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, keep them out of the country in the first place. Keep them out of the country. But understand the way the game gets played. Instead of really making certain that we make ourselves safe and secure, they come up with window dressing. They come up with fluff. They come up with an illusion. It's the guy cutting the woman in half without hurting a hair on her head. If you've traveled to Syria, you're getting a visa. No, they're not, because you're not going to know they went to Syria. Then DACA, they're not going to know when these people actually entered the United States. I guarantee you, if this government is corrupt and stupid enough to go along with DACA, band it to all these other people, there are people who have never been in America and who won't be here for months, but they will apply and they will claim they were here 20 years ago. And I'll tell you what, I, I, I will tell you, the odds aren't with the house. The odds are with that alien. The odds are with that alien getting away with it. Why in the world would we even consider it? And I'd love to know what's in Dick Durbin's head or Chuck Schumer or Lindsey Graham. We go down the list. I'd love to know why in the world they think this is a good idea. It doesn't make a lick of sense. And yet we hear the lies from the media and the lies from the politicians, and they want to portray Mr. Trump, Donald Trump, the president, and members of the Congress who oppose this madness as haters and xenophobes and racists. They throw those words around with great abandon. It's the boy who cried wolf one time too many. There is nothing xenophobic about saying, let's keep terrorists and criminals out of the country. There's nothing xenophobic about saying, Let's make certain that when there are jobs available, that Americans get first shot at the jobs. That's what those laws are about that they hate so much. 
but nobody ever asks the right questions. See, it's all about the questions. Voltaire, the philosopher, said you judge a man's intelligence by his questions. And it's true. You know, I always like to ask people, what do we get from the space program? We've sent New Horizons out past Pluto. It's now looking for another Kuiper Belt object. I think it's going to be there in just about a year. And so what do we get from all this? You know, we had Pioneer and we had Voyager all sail out of the solar system. And we had Cassini orbiting Saturn for years. They just had it uh, crash into Saturn as it was running out of fuel. They didn't want it to contaminate any of the moons. What do we get out of all these billion-dollar-plus spacecraft? And the answer is simple. The next set of questions. The next set of questions. And today, Americans don't question anything. It's been beaten out of them. They're told, you go to college, you go to a safe space, they'll tell you what to think, they'll tell you what to say, do it. And if you don't do it, you're a hater and a xenophobe and, and on and on and on. So they coerce cooperation out of our fellow Americans. And we're, as a country, we seem to be okay with it. How many families are going into hock and running up mortgage, um, student loans that look more like a mortgage payment so their kid can go to a school for safe spaces? safe spaces. There are no safe spaces on a campus when you're not allowed to speak freely. There aren't. <clears throat> and if you dare suggest otherwise, they're going to come after you and make all kinds of crazy accusations. And, and that's the name game that's playing out. Not political correctness, but Orwellian. So we're, we've been told now this could be 3.6, 3.7 million and what happens when it's 8 million or 9 million or 10 million? Do you think we're going to turn anybody away? You can't. Once you start the machine rolling, you can't say, oops, too many people. Unless they put in a cutoff date and they say, well, if you don't get here by, I don't know, April 1st, April Fool's Day, you're out of luck. Maybe. But of course, the courts will probably intervene and do what they've been doing best. Allow everything to happen. This stuff has to be nipped in the bud. It has to be nipped in the bud because we are overflowing with foreign workers, foreign tourists, foreign students, and criminals, frankly. Now, the lawful immigrants tend to not be criminals. That's an actual truthful statement according to a study that was just done. But another study shows that three-quarters three quarters of terrorists that have been arrested in the United States were born elsewhere, not born in America. Close to three quarters. I think it was 73%. What does it tell you about the threat that our open borders create for America? Now, I don't want to put up, you know, a moat. And I keep thinking of Obama when he said that. Oh, they're going to want a moat. But look at how the aliens came here. It's international airports. It's seaports. And, of course, you also have to worry about the Mexican border with the violence and the drugs and so forth. It's only rational. It's only reasonable. It's what we need to do. But unfortunately, unfortunately, the American people, because they're polarized, they only watch one news program or the other, left or right, at least half of all Americans aren't getting the truth. They're being stampeded. They're being stampeded. And now the intimidation factor. Well, if you don't vote for DACA and the government shuts down, your constituents are going to remember that when they come to vote. They're not going to remember anything like that. They're going to hopefully look at this and say, wait a minute, why would you legalize five or ten or God knows how many million illegal aliens? 
And once you start the mechanism rolling, you can't turn it off because then you're going to be told that you're being discriminatory. And some judge somewhere, probably in the Ninth Circuit, will take up the cause. Will take up the cause and leave us vulnerable. That, folks, is the bind that we're in today. Because the politicians know damn well, as soon as we hear the word children, we melt. Our our eyes roll up into the top of our heads and we faint and we melt. It's all about the children. And that's what the politicians kept saying on the other side. And back then it was George Bush also, by the way, George W. It's all about the children. No, it's not. No, it's not. Yes, there are children who got caught up in this madness. And do I feel badly for them? I absolutely do. I do. But let's get real and understand what resources we have, understand what the expenses are, understand that we don't need competition for American workers. Therein lies the problem. But in order to figure this out, people need to learn how to ask questions. They need to develop a critical eye. They need to look at the material and say, wait a minute, how easy would it be to lie? And the answer is it's very easy if you don't have the resources to do field investigation. And there are no resources. So, you know, when I hear President Trump saying, well, we'll do something for the dreamers, but we need the money for the fence and we need mandatory E-Verify. If I was with the president, I'd say, Mr. President, we also need those 10,000 agents that you said you wanted when you first became president to enforce the immigration laws from within the interior of the United States. That's what we need. We need deterrence through enforcement. And the only way you can have that happen is if you have an adequate number of agents. That's what's been lacking for decades. And that takes us back to the point I made earlier, that the immigration system is not broken. It's doing exactly what the power elite wants. It is running a conveyor belt, and on that conveyor belt, an unlimited supply of tourists and students and foreign workers. And that's why we're getting hammered. So we will have to see how it plays out. I'm concerned about what might happen in Washington, the puzzle palace. Uh, You know, the word compromise could also mean undermine, as in the integrity was compromised, or national security or public safety, or public health, were compromised. And believe me, that seems to be the order of the day. How to compromise America's national security. It's astonishing. A decade or two ago, if someone told me this would be happening, I never would have believed it. But that is what's happening, isn't it? So we have an obligation to ourselves, to our children, our grandchildren, to our country to educate ourselves, and please stand up. Stand up and be heard. When you go someplace and some guy starts spewing the usual rhetoric, the usual lies, I don't want anyone to have any confrontations. Life's too short for that foolishness. But don't let those remarks go unchallenged. There is a belief that if you're in the room and someone says something outlandish and no one stands up, that everyone secretly agrees with them. Please, folks, make it your New Year's resolution that nobody... Nobody will think you agree with craziness. And you do that by being a good American and and making your own viewpoint known. I know it's going to be difficult. I know many people hate that sort of thing. But the stakes could not be higher. The founding fathers understood that the First Amendment, freedom of speech, the right to peaceable assemblage, the right to seek redress of grievances, 
was the primary fundamental element of a democratic republic. We can't ignore it. We better deal with it. But please, grow a spine, develop a little bit of chutzpah, as we say in Brooklyn. Stand up for America. Stand up for yourself and your family and your kids. The lies have to stop. DACA is not about children. DACA is an amnesty program, plain and simple, with window dressing to confound anybody who would oppose it because it creates the illusion that this is about children. Uh, and in reality, not so much. Not so much. If you go to um, frontpagemag.com and you like my article, please post it on Facebook or Twitter. I don't do those things. I'm not a social butterfly, at least not electronically. But what I'm trying to do is to create what I've come to call my bucket brigade of truth. And in order to do that, I need you to help me. And the way that you can help me is by spreading the word. If you like my articles, please post them. Please let people know about them. The reason that I write the articles is to try to see how many of our fellow Americans I'm able to reach so that hopefully we can change the direction that our country is headed. I think that's why most people voted for Donald Trump. They may not want to admit it because we've become a nation of, uh, well, I guess timid people. But maybe the time has come to stand up, get your voice heard, and uh, remember that democracy is not a spectator sport. What do I mean by that? Get your voice heard. Get involved in the political process. And let the politicians know what you expect of them. You know, when we go to a restaurant, we're very specific about the food that we want to eat, the way that we want it prepared. Uh, We don't do it. Those of you old enough to remember Johnny Carson, we don't hold the menu to our forehead and say, you know, the mighty Karnak, you know, will divine what what you want to eat. Be specific. Leave no doubt. No doubt of what you're willing to tolerate and what you're not willing to tolerate. And that, folks, is the work all Americans can and indeed must do. Well, I look forward to seeing you again next week at the same time here at the Michael Cutler Hour. And by then, we'll know uh, well how this all played out. But I, I would ask that if you can, reach out to your elected representatives and make no doubt in their mind, let there be no doubt in their mind, where you stand on these very important issues. Thanks for joining me. Look forward to seeing you next week. Have a great weekend, everybody. Good night.